Welcome to the Nutritional Outlook Podcast. I'm Jennifer Grebo, Editor-in-Chief of Nutritional Outlook Magazine. And I'm Sebastian Kravitz, Editor. We are your podcast hosts. Nutritional Outlook is a multimedia publishing brand and leading informational resource for manufacturers of dietary supplements, healthy foods, and natural products. In today's episode, we're going to start by talking about FDA's newly confirmed commissioner, Dr. Robert Califf. FDA has been without official leadership since the start of the Biden administration, and Dr. Califf's confirmation marks the end of a period of transition at the agency. How will the agency's new leadership affect the dietary supplement industry, and how will new appointments at the Office of Dietary Supplement Programs also affect the dietary supplement industry? To help us unpack what FDA's new leadership may mean for the dietary supplement industry, we are joined today by Robert Durkin of Council for Arnall, Golden Gregory, LLP. Robert has previously served as acting director and deputy director of the Office of Dietary Supplement Programs in the FDA's Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition. Given his experience at FDA, Robert is well-equipped to help us understand the effect FDA leadership has on the agency and its agenda, and how Caleb's previous leadership at FDA during the Obama administration might inform his current leadership. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Robert. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare, as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truestherumntwk.com. Welcome back, everyone. We are joined today by Robert Durkin of Council for Arnold Golden Gregory LLP. Robert is here to help us unpack what we might expect from FDA's newest commissioner, Robert Califf. Thanks so much for joining us today, Robert. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's our pleasure. Robert, let's start by looking back. With Califf, we have the benefit of being able to look at his previous term as FDA commissioner during the Obama administration. So starting with the positive, how do you feel Califf's previous leadership benefited the dietary supplement industry, if at all? You know, um, when Dr. Califf first came into FDA, I was already in a position as the acting director of ODSP. And one of the the, uh, the things I got to do was actually brief Dr. Califf on the state of, of dietary supplement regulation and where the agency currently was. And, uh, you know, that initial meeting, it, it was a very positive meeting. He, he was engaging. Um, he spoke about how he used natural products, dietary supplements in his practice as a physician, uh, how he found them useful. Uh, very, very supportive of, of the industry in general and just the concept of, of people taking charge of their own wellness and contributing to their own health. And he, he has experience as a physician where he's seen the benefits to that. So it started off from a very, very pragmatic, very, very good point. And, you know, there are degrees of separation between an office director or even a center director and the commissioner. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are in action and in play already at the agency. And they don't stop just because you're waiting for a new commissioner to come in or there's a change of the guard at a high level like that. There's a lot of folks with institutional memory. And, you know, Dr. Califf was supportive, but he wasn't as, as closely involved with the program as he might have been with some others, maybe drug or, or um, biologics. Yeah, because I imagine there is, you know, as commissioner, you have you're in charge of a lot of things. So um, I imagine dietary supplements 
aren't maybe a huge priority, but obviously it's a big part of FDA. So kind of where, in your opinion, did his leadership miss the mark when it comes to regulating dietary supplements? I don't know that it missed the mark as much as he um, enabled his subordinates. He enabled folks that were already there and dialed into dietary supplements to keep doing what they were doing. Um, you know, it was right around this time that we were elevated to an office. Uh, he did at, at one point suggest that maybe a, a programmatic review of ODSP would be in order to see what resources we had and what resources we might need in the future. I, I don't think that ever happened. I don't remember anything as serious as a programmatic review or anything formal happening. So I, I wouldn't say that he wasn't supportive. I would just say that, you know, he he just trusted us to keep doing what we were doing and doing it right. Perfect. Um you know, and taking that into account, what you've just said, what makes you optimistic about having Dr. Califf as FDA commissioner? Or does anything, on the flip side, does anything make you apprehensive? Well, I mean, apprehensive. He's coming in with the full plate. He's coming in, you know, we're still not done with our COVID-19 response yet. There's issues with vaccines and approvals for children under five, you know, EAUs for other therapies that are coming along. Um you know, there, there's the opioid crisis, which is still, I mean, that, that was happening the last time Dr. Califf was at the helm, and it's, it's still continuing. There's still aspects of that to be dealt with. Um, I mean, he's even dealing with issues about, you know, access to abortion medications. He has a, a lot of big things on his plate. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I, I, I hope there's a, a, place, a place in his to-do list for dietary supplements, uh, natural wellness products. The, the, but the plus side is, is that, you know, he's been very clear that he intends to use data and science to, to guide things. And as horrible as COVID was, I think it's fair to say that the natural wellness of dietary supplement industry really rose to the occasion. And they, they empowered people, they provided products, they provided options for folks to support their health. Uh, you know, the public's awareness of, of our market is probably as great as it's ever been. And I think my, my perception is that they're very happy with our market. They're very happy with what we provide. They've more people now than ever understand the value of dietary supplements and national wellness, wellness products. There's going to be data to that. There's going to be proof. There's going to be things that can be relied on by regulators and others to understand the, the place that, that our products have in commerce and, and how they should be regulated differently or the same or or where to go from here. So I'm hoping that Dr. Califf's focus on using data and science to guide decisions follows through and that they, they actually obtain the data that's out there right now for supplements and general wellness and use them as they decide the next iterations of regulations for dietary supplements. Back in 2019, you know, when Dr. Gottlieb at the time, who was FDA commissioner, you know, he kind of put out that gauntlet for FDA to modernize, which was the word he used, um, dietary supplement regulations, um, you know, to be more fitting for, quite frankly, what's a huge market, you know, compared to when those regulations were first created. Um, you know, a lot of that we haven't seen a lot of action on that lately. Like it's, we've definitely had conversations in the industry about Dishe 2.0 and, you know, things like mandatory product listing, but, you know, some have surmised that maybe not having a permit, a commissioner, full commissioner at the helm may have played a role in putting a stall on some of those, you know, some of, uh, some of that goal for moving forward. Um, do you think that 
I mean, I know that you just said that Dr. Kalef has a lot on his plate right now. Um, you know, a lot of issues besides modernities and supplement regulations. You know, do you think that now that FDA has a commissioner that perhaps that initiative of modernizing supplement regulations uh, that we could see more action on that or movement? We could, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that with the way that'll proceed. I mean, you know, Dr. Gottlieb was a ball of energy. Um, you just couldn't help but be energized when you were around the guy and he just, he did so much. And it's no coincidence that his, his announcement or his, you know, the, this, this programmatic review and, and adjustment of regulations of dietary supplements coincided with the CBD boom. I mean, that's, that's not a coincidence. It really shined a lot of light on the office. It shined a lot of light in the way that we handled our, our regulations and enforced them. Um, it drew a lot of attention and a, a lot of attention from the right folks at the right places in the agency to see an opportunity there for, for dietary supplements. And then, you know, after Dr. Gottlieb made the announcement, I think he left the agency maybe within two months and a lot of energy got drained, I think. Um, you know, not that folks, the institutional memory didn't survive and we all kept doing our jobs and doing things right, but there is a tendency at the agency when there's a change in leadership just out of courtesy, if not pragmatic reasons to, to wait for that new leadership to come in and, and see what their priorities are going to be and what direction are they going to want to take programs in. So, you know, Dr. Gottlieb did have a lot of energy and he did want to start this programmatic review and some revitalization and a, a look at our regulations for dietary supplements. And then he left. So I, I think it's fair to say that that did take some of the air out of the room and some of the, the air out of the sales for that, that initiative. And I'm going to let Sebastian, I know, has a question next that kind of addresses this. But, you know, from talking to people in the industry, what they have also said is that, you know, even if the commissioner himself may not be able to turn his attention directly onto supplements at this time because he's dealing with other priorities, um, that there's still a lot of good leaders at FDA who are interested in moving, you know, the, the line forward. So, Sebastian, do you want to um, take this? Yeah. Um, you know, so having previously worked at ODSB as acting director and deputy director, you know, you kind of talked about how FDA leadership like impacts the office or at least kind of like the, um, uh, the morale of the staff and stuff like that. I mentioned Gottlieb um, being energetic and um, really motivating. Um, obviously, like in between leadership, this could be kind of deflating, like you mentioned. But um, like you said, the cogs kind of keep turning, right? The you know, um, so recently Kara Welch was um promoted to director of ODSP, and I imagine her leadership may have um an even greater impact maybe on the industry than Caliph because she's more directly responsible for the regulation of dietary supplements. Can you comment on how her leadership may impact dietary supplements going forward? Sure. So. You know, I, I think um, I think it's a great opportunity for the industry and and for the agency with new leadership, with Kara taking the full time job as the the permanent director of the office. Um, working with Kara in in the space is is no stranger to me. Her and I started in DDSP Division of Dietary Supplement Programs back in 2015. I think she might have been on board maybe four or five months prior to me. And uh, my experience with Kara is that she's a, a pragmatic, well thought out leader, that she understands the science and the regulations as well as anyone. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will be a, a start, an opportunity for ODSP to, to re-engage and get re-involved in some of the initiatives and the enforcement policies that they they sort of put on the shelf over the last couple of years. 
Uh, last couple of years, it seemed that uh, they became very risk averse, that perfect became the enemy of good, um, very hesitant to, to break new ground or even to enforce the regulations that are already on the book. So, you know, after working with Kara for a while, I'm, I'm optimistic that she'll, she'll, she'll provide the leadership that ODSP needs to, to properly regulate the space. Kara's had a lot of um, hands-on experience with a lot of the key initiatives regarding supplements, you know, that we've been, have been in the works for years. And, you know, most notably the new dietary ingredient um, draft guidance, um, you know, and we've heard that perhaps, and I don't know what you have heard, but that, you know, a final guidance may be imminent, you know, maybe in the next year. So, you know, do you think that given the fact that Kara, you know, has been so hands-on with those, um, with something like NDI guidance, do you think that it might be easier for her to get that across the finish line? Maybe, maybe it, it very well could be. I mean, you, you know, just for perspective, uh, aspects of the NDI guidance were supposed to go final before I left back in 19. So it's something's hanging it up. It's just, you know, por portions of it are very controversial for industry. Uh, over the last couple of years, you know, FDA themselves have even sort of backed off of and, and changed their view about things that are said in the guidance. Uh, NDIN exclusivity, for example. Um, you know, when that came to a head about a year ago as to whether or not NDIN was exclusive, even though it's an FDA's draft guidance, and we all said it publicly that NDINs were exclusive, they backed off of that now. Um, so I, I think there are aspects of the NDIN guidance and, you know, I mean, Deshea has been around for so long, the regulations have been around for so long. Some folks are talking about a Deshea 2.0. I think we need to go back and just really look at Deshea 1.0 and make sure, making sure that we're implementing the way that Congress wants relative to the environment we're dealing with now. Um, so will the draft guidance come out in final form? It should, it should. I mean, it's been since 16, so it's definitely time. Uh, will it be the entire draft guidance or just certain portions of it that industry and the agency see eye to eye on? Maybe, and that's great, but you're leaving the hard stuff behind. You're kicking a can down the road if you do it that way. So I think it's entirely likely and certainly about time if we, we have portions of the draft guidance go final, but uh, we'll see. And Robert, you mentioned, you know, some of the areas of existing, you know, Deshea 1.0 that maybe, you know, we could look at. Are there any particulars that you feel really stand out that should be looked at? Well, I touched on, I think, the NDIN um, perspective and whether they're exclusive and NDIN enforcement. Um you know, how the agency will use its, its pre-market notification authority under 413 to protect the public health. Uh, you know, you have import alerts for ingredients. You have import alerts, for example, for kratom. And it says that the agency's position is that kratom meets the appearance of being adulterated. Prove us wrong. Um, why couldn't they do the same thing for new dietary ingredients that appear to have required notification and one, one hasn't been made? Uh, you know, they'll, they'll throw up things like, well, the grass loophole, and we don't know if it's in the food supply and this. Well, you don't know any of that for Kratom either, but you still have an import alert for it. And you're still giving folks that want to import it a chance to come in and show you their basis for why it's not violative. You can do the same thing for new dietary ingredients that require notification. All you're doing is, is um, detaining them. You're not refusing them. 
the owner of that, that product gets to come in and have their quote unquote day in court or an administrative proceeding and show the agency why that product's not violative. And then they get their product back and then it doesn't go on import alert again. It seems like an easy way for the agency to protect the public health, a low burden, a low burn. Um, but it just seems that there's some personal animosity about the subject where they just refuse to do it. So Robert, what, uh, what are the key issues you expect or hope um, that ODSP under Caleb's leadership addresses uh, regarding supplements um, in this current term? Um, I know you mentioned some of the Deche stuff, NDINs, uh, anything else that comes to mind? You know, I hope they take a, uh, an opportunity to step back and, and determine whether or not they need to move forward with some of the proposals. For example, mandatory product listing. Uh, we talked about that when I was back at the agency and as a regulator, I saw the value. I saw the, the opportunity and how we could use it as a tool to regulate. Now that I'm, I'm on the other side and I, I work with folks that are subject to the regulations, I also see where that could be horrifying, where it could be a, a tool that's misused by the agency. They, they haven't been very clear about what they're going to do with it and how they're going to do it. They haven't been very clear that there's, there's no other opportunities or options within the existing regulations to have a similar impact. Um, you know, mandatory product listing is gonna provide data. Data to do what? What do they do with the data they already have? Um, is this gonna help direct enforcement actions? How will mandatory product listing translate into protecting the public health differently than they can do it now? So I'm, I'm hoping they use the opportunity of new leadership both at the agency level and in ODSP to maybe sit back and, and take a look and, and take some inventory and decide which directions they should move forward in. Well, Robert, I think uh, what you've said numerous times is that you're cautiously optimistic with those, the words that you use. It is, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are. So we're excited to see, you know, what the next years bring. Uh, but really it's been such a pleasure having you. You're always given your, direct expertise in this area, you know, we're privileged to have you and we're your insights in this specifically on this were so valuable. So thank you oh, for being here and thank being you. a guest. I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to speak on it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this month's Nutritional Outlook podcast and our annual look at this year's Ingredients to Watch. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines and provide some expert insights from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us online at nutritionaloutlook.com, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and on Twitter at NutritionalO. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Nutritional Outlook, its parent company, or advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Jennifer Grebo at jgrebo at mghlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mghlifesciences.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.